Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for August 13th of 2017. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh from HockeyHurts.com. And this week's edition of the podcast, we are going to talk about the teams that are trending in a positive direction and teams that are trending in a negative direction, as well as taking some of our listener questions that we've gotten through Twitter. So uh, pretty simple concept. I wish we had a fancier concept, but um, uh, we, we've tried to discuss for before before the show, and there ain't much going on right now. This was our longest preparatory conversation I think we've ever had, and this is what we came up with. The preparatory conversation was probably going to be longer than the podcast. <laughs> It was tough. It was a tough go trying to get this this out. I mean, nothing's happened since the last podcast, really. It's hockey-related stuff, really low-key. Eichel hasn't been signed. Yeah, Batterell uh, le- left, uh, let us down. Yeah. So he's already screwing the Penguins fans over. <laughs> so I guess um, we will jump right into it. Uh, trending upwards what what do you have here um i think what will happen this year for these four teams carolina tampa dallas and toronto i think they'll take some big steps forward i would expect all four to make the playoffs um, i know toronto did last year but i legitimately think they've got a fantastic chance to um lead that division and go in as the number one seed in the atlantic division this season coming Okay, so would you like to lead with them and and uh, tell all of our listeners why you think they're going to win the division? <clears throat> uh, I hate to use this as one of those really sort of easy bailout statements, but I just think the young players on their team are a year along, and I think that the players that needed to have a full year of experience have got it. Um, I don't like the the length of the Patrick Marlowe edition, but I understand why they did it. Um, I also like the Ron Hainsey edition if they play him in the right role. So that comes down to trusting, you know, who's considered the, the best coach in the league. So I just see them making that, you know, everyone made the expectations of the Penguins' development moving forward was just going to be up, 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 and up. And it, it, it really was. I can't see this being uh, any different to that from that Penguins' rebuild. I can, because I don't see Sidney Crosby or Evgeny Malkin. No offense to Austin Matthews, American-born. Um, but, you know, Sid and Gino, that 07-08 year that they you know, went to the cup final and, and I should throw flurry in there too. Like they were superhuman. They, I get they, that. That was a bad team. I realize that, team. but I don't think, I don't think this is a bad no, team. And I agree with you. And, and I don't disagree with the assertment that, uh, they're going to be better than next, uh, last year. I, I, I don't think it's cliche to say that the younger players will get better. I think their younger players are so young that of course they're going to get better because the um, the pr- 
prime ages are 24 to 26 and you build towards that their their players are so much younger you you they're gonna obviously build towards that it's you need to lose before you win is the the cliche um nonsense i think so my thing is that they were fourth in their atlantic division and only one and a half wins behind ottawa for second and only four wins behind montreal for first and I don't think either of the three teams in front of them have done anything to make me think that they can't win the division. And the only other team I think they have to worry about is Tampa, who was one of the teams that I mentioned. So that's probably why I feel like... I think it would be great for hockey if Toronto went nuts this year and became great. One, it would be great for HRR, and I just think it would be great for a buzz around the league because people either love Toronto or hate them. It's just good to have someone like that doing really well. Yeah, and I'm a um, totally not against uh, Matthews, Nylander, and Marner going off. I think that's a, a cool yeah. trio to have moving forward. Yep. And I think Jake Gardner's pretty good. They've got really there. <laughs> that was kind but of. The thing, if they actually played him in a third line role, in a, in a third pairing role, Ron Hainsey will do really well. It's if they play him for extended, elevated minutes in a second or a, or a first line role that that signing is going to come unstuck, and it comes down to trusting Milbury to play him in an elevated role. Oh, Milbury, <laughs> sorry. Um, why have I forgotten his name? It's you tough to confuse that. Babcock and Milbury. They're they're, yeah, they're similar. They're they're similar. All right. <laughs> I've only said it because I saw his name because we we're going to make a point about that knob later. Um. So with Babcock though, you, you'd want to trust that he plays him in an elevated role, then sees that he can't handle it. But I know that sometimes he has blind spots with players like that. So that is the risk, I suppose. No, I can certainly see uh, Toronto improving because the young players are going to improve. Three rookies are their main like thing right now, and you know rookies improve, high end rookies improve, and they have that. And I'm I'm good with Toronto getting better uh, for the reasons that you stated. A very polarizing Yankees-like team for hockey. <laughs> I, um, I'm in western New York, and the Sabres in Toronto, great rivalry. Uh, so, yeah, selfishly speaking, I'd, I'd love to see it. Yeah. So what would be your next selection for a team to move forward uh, it's some, something that we have talked about. Uh, a team that has kind of been working towards this, but probably will do it this year, maybe? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Carolina, I think. I, I think the bill just comes down to Scott Darling, really. every For, for me, everything else in front of the net is set is set to take that step. It just comes down to whether Scott Darling comes as advertised and, and you know, gives them better than below-average goaltending. If he gives them 9.21, which I think was the league average last year, um, they're already in front. 
Yeah, and the defensively, like they look pretty good. Falk, Hannafin, uh, Slavin, is it Pesci? Pesci. Pesci. And then is Van Riemsdyk a, a number five? Like that's that's not bad. Yeah, that's, that's pretty that, good. Now you're now you're facilitating the puck, and Justin Williams is a great like complimentary piece. They, they they could use some some more higher end forwards, but uh, for the same reasons we just talked about Toronto, uh, Sebastian Ajo should be better next year. Lindholm is entering the the, the prime years. Tara Vinan's kind of stuck in this weird area where you don't know where he's quite going to go, but he's he's not a liability. No, I just it's one of those things where it feels as though they're missing a they're missing a Matthews or a McDavid or an Eichel or Crosby. You know, they're missing that one top end guy that that you can you know you know who's going to be able to carry the team when things get tough. That That's the one sort of thing that they're missing. But you look outside of that, they're deep a long way through. They don't tail off. Like, you look at the Penguins lineup right now, the way it is constructed right now, there's a massive drop-off when you get to that third and fourth line at the moment. Well, there's this also a massive drop-off because... Yeah, their top end is so top. I get that. But if you look at it in regards to a, an error bar... The error bar is really, really small. Mm-hmm. I think they're a prime candidate to. The longer this Duchesne bullshit goes down, like they have young defensemen. Matt Duchesne's uh, the the kind of player that a team like Carolina looking to to jump now with the younger core. It makes yeah. sense. I hadn't even considered that when we were talking about this prior. I hadn't even, that shows you how much out of, out of the, the hockey consciousness that whole Duchesne thing's got for me. Yeah. It's really good. Gonna, point. He's probably going to be in Colorado for opening night. That team is, do you put them on the teams no, to fall? No, they fall the, no, we put them just <laughs> as being them. <laughs> They're just going to be them. You be you, Colorado. That's funny, ass. They don't, they don't make either list. They're just going to, you know, be them. But, but that's the kind of, maybe not him, but that's the kind of move... Yeah, because I'd not, I'd not even thought of them adding anybody else to their roster, and I'm still really, really happy with it. I know you are too, but yeah, something like that would, would give them the opportunity to, to really jump. You're exactly right. You know, they got people like Hayden Fleury. I don't know how much pedigree he still has. Um, you know, I'm not going to pretend to to follow these prospects uh, the way some others do, but he was a higher end pick. Maybe they feel highly about him and move uh, Noah Hannafin. Maybe I'm completely off base. I don't know. But, like, they have this core of 
pretty decent young defenseman. I, I believe that Ron Francis and Eric Tulski will have a good gauge on and find the, you know, an appealing one to send on for that. Because it would be someone like Hedefin that the Avalanche should be asking for. That's that's the reality. Now, whether or not that's what Joe Sakic manages to do, two different things, I suppose. But but this is an important year for Carolina. We we say they're trending upwards, but like, show me. They haven't, they haven't been uh, awful, all things considered. But like at some point, you, you got to do something. Well, it's a little bit New York Islander is ish, in that they looked like they were going to take the next step, and then it all sort of fell apart for them. Is that going to happen to Carolina, or are they going to work it out and, and actually do something with what I consider to be a pretty good roster? Well, at least for Carolina, I don't see John or John Tavares leaving after the end of the year. So, no, and I mean we know that's an exceptional circumstance there, but like in all the time that they've had that wonderful contract that that he had, what have they got to the second round once? Did they make it to the second round? I think they played Tampa in 2016. I think Tampa beat oh they New York beat Island. Florida. They beat Florida. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Florida's going to show up today. It's not going to be the first <laughs> section. But yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, they wasted that Tavares contract, huh? Yeah. So I think the Metro Division, um, Carolina could make some noise. I don't think the Flyers are quite ready. No, they, it feels like they need to move someone. I don't think the Islanders are really doing much there. Uh, I, I, I like the Eberle trade, but is that enough to separate like the Hurricanes from the Islanders? Yeah. I'm asking... I, I'm literally asking for at least an eight or... 10-point jump for them to even edge the playoffs. Like, that's five to six games that they're going to have to win. And, you know, if you look at it purely in the Metro division itself, the Rangers were 102 points. Carolina's 87. It's 15 points that they have to get to just to equal the Rangers. So I'm, I'm expecting them to do quite well this year. That's what I mean by a jump, like a really big one. Yeah, but here's the other part of it, and I think you mentioned it before. Do we really believe Scott Darling's going to be below average? No, and that's where a lot of people... Because their goaltending's been terrible. And and that's where a lot of people who watched Carolina closely noted that that's where they lost games. Too many leaky goals. Too many goals at inopportune times. And and as much as, you know, a goal on the first minute is just as bad as a goal on the last minute... You know, a young team, it can it can be very frustrating when goals are going in that they shouldn't be. So, yeah, I think um, I think they have a good a chance as any to improve in the East. Um, sticking in that uh, old Southeast division, uh, Tampa Bay can only improve. Uh, they had some bad luck injuries last year. 
Um, Connor Sheary led the NHL in 5v5 points per 60 based on sample size. Steven Stamkos was having a hell of a year before yeah. he, he exited because he was above 3.0 points per 60 and I don't have hockey analysis to look this up very quickly like we used to. Like That's going to come up a bit, I think. Yeah. <laughs> that used to be my, uh, okay, I'll just quick or click quickly and find it. And I don't have that right now. But I do know he was, um, if you shrink the sample down to, to whatever he played, he was the NHL leader. He was having a fantastic season. So that alone, they improve. Yeah. <clears throat> but a healthy roster in, in itself, guys actually being healthy to go and um, their, their back end looking good as long as they don't put Girardi with Hedman. Um, they're, yeah. I like what they've got. They've committed to Vasilevsky as well, who I think is going to be quite a good goaltender. He had um, a weird year last year, but tough to, you know, fault the logic of moving on from Bishop. Yeah, that contract. You can't do that. And losing Druin... You know, not great, but um, can Sergachev make the lineup? If he does, um, if he does, that's going to be nasty for the rest of the league because they won't. I don't think they'll rush him. So it'll be one of those things where if he makes it, it'll be because he's impressed them. And I think Stevie Y is a tough judge. So when you look at how he handled Druin, I don't think he's going to make it easy for Sergachev to make the lineup. And they have cap space to, to do a little bit. They have a uh, 3.2. That's amazing when you consider how much cap trouble they are in. Yeah, they were in uh, quite a bit. And it's amazing considering they gave Dan Girardi $3 million. Maybe, You know what, Cam? I got to tell you, maybe, maybe the Dan Girardi signing, um, <laughs> maybe we don't put him in there. <laughs> Trending up. Yeah, just that itself. Well, you get the... It, it, it's one of those things where you make the argument sometimes where not having a player on your roster and having the cap space is more valuable than having that player on the roster, right? Dan Girardi fits that right now. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about that. So whatever internal metrics they're running with, I still don't reckon they're more valuable than the $3 million in cap space. But I think Tyler Johnson will have a better year. Well, I think they'll get the triplets back together, to be honest. I, I think that's what they'll do. They'll play Stan Coast at center. Uh, they'll have the triplets back together. Um, who plays and with that was Stamkos? when they was... Sorry? You know who plays with Stan Coast? Chris fucking Kunitz. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Let's just see. And he'll with, and he'll, hang on. That's where they improve. Chris Kunitz. <laughs> I love... I love Cooney. Uh, he's... His value is not going to be in the counting stats that he he provides. It'll be in the fact that the better players that he'll be playing with will be better because of him. Yeah, I'll facilitate. Yeah, it's the he might not be scoring as well as he he used to, but he definitely allows speed through the neutral zone and, and retrieves pucks very very well. Shit, man, I forgot that he's not 
What a penguin. Yeah. Shit. That, no, it's still that one. That one's kind of gone by the wayside. That hasn't been talked about a lot, but man, he's he does a, just a lot of the the good possession stuff that you like. He's ability, he's, look, his ability to be able to to corral a wraparound on the boards from a defenseman at the blue line and either chip it out for the, the, the sentiment flying up the middle with speed. And admittedly, you're chipping it out to Sid, who can corral almost any puck, right? But Stamkos and, and Johnson... Yeah, but, Kuchar- but, but what you need to do, and it's not always a gimme uh, for, for us to, uh, us wingers that have, have dealt with that, is you need to get that puck forward into a space to where the guy doesn't yeah. break a stride. Correct. Now, and Sid can obviously like do the the weird kick stuff with his feet. But, yeah. Like he, you know, if you got Sid not in front of a like public microphone that he knows was being recorded, I'm sure he'd tell you, yeah, Cooney puts it in the the, the places that need to be. <laughs> like he gets the puck to where I need it to be. Yeah. And and he's smart enough to adjust to wherever the centers that he plays with want it. But the, the the little stuff like that, like Hornquist gets all this credit for stuff he does in front of the net, right? Because it's hard and it's tough. But Hornquist can't facilitate that kind of stuff. And they're that's both, where they're I, both valuable. Yeah, it's just different things. And and Kunitz going to a team that is fast and skilled like Tampa is brilliant for Tampa in regards to facilitating their breakout. I think so. Even you know he's he's older now. There there's a better than zero chance that he drops off the table this year. Oh yeah. But yeah, but at two million, two million, it's a it's a risk worth taking if you Tampa. I think so. It's a yeah. worth a risk worth taking if I'm Pittsburgh. To be honest, I didn't want to mention that. I am. <laughs> I didn't want to rub salt into the wound. Well, no, there's a personal bias there because I think he's really good, but so do I. But yeah, I could see Tampa. You know, like I said, I thought Toronto might win it, but you know, Tampa is definitely um, probably the front runner to win that division. Yeah, right now you got Haglin, Sheary. And Scott Wilson on the left wing. Left. They're short. You know, Tom Kuhnhackle. Get, get, <laughs> get out of here with that. <laughs> right, though? Like, I mean, I know Gensel can play um, left wing, but, like, Shiri and Gensel are capable of both, but I feel as though they're going to be on the same line, so... Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it, That's, you know, that'll be fascinating at the start of the year, how they go about sorting all that out. Uh, so do you want to move across to the uh, the West for a team that we think will jump? Yeah, I, I don't think it's a, a great long-term team, but I do think they jumped. And it is... The said Dallas Stars. 
Yeah, so the big signing, I think, is uh, Radulov. Yeah. Like, I've I've thought a lot of Radulov, even in the Predator days. Um, yeah, I know there there were legitimate. Like sometimes you, you talk character issues, and you know the analytics community kind of uh, poo poos that at times. But like, no, he was a dickhead <laughs> uh, with the Predators. <laughs> he he was, and but but the the hockey portion of it he he's great and he was excellent in Montreal and i have no reason to believe he won't be excellent next year which is what we're talking about so getting radulov even if it's at 6.25 million for 5 years which you know the, his, his contract we can pick apart but for 2017-18 for the scope of the conversation, he helps them. Because it, it's one of those things where um, it's hard when you do, like, obviously we're just doing this quite quickly, but when we go ahead and we do our divisional reviews um, for the upcoming season, I am going to have to get there and, in my head, block off what happens beyond this year and look at, look at it purely from what's going to happen 17-18. Because, you know... His contract, and I think Jamie Benn will wear down over the course of his contract, and what do they do when Spez's contract runs out? They're all questions for, you know, how is a team going to look moving forward? Um, but, yeah, for this season, I think the only thing I would have liked for them to have got back would have been Nachushkin, and he won't be back until the year after. So adding him into that lineup on top of what they've got would have been fantastic. But, you know, I, I don't deny that I think Ben Bishop will be good again this year and, and that back end with John Klingberg, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy with what they've got. They tail off a little bit depth wise, but you know, a lot of teams do. Maybe they'll give uh, more minutes to, to Lindell this year. You, you hope so. And, and stuff like that. Alexiak as well. Uh, I don't know if there's much there with that one, but like Hamus, uh, Hopefully he has a another well it, somebody that you didn't bring up Mathat is with them at least yeah, nine, at least nine fingers of him he he didn't coattail <laughs> he didn't coattail all of uh, Carlson he is actually an alright player in his own right right he's he's not yeah. a bad player no it's just no missing a finger. <laughs> Yes, he is. <laughs> At least he's missing, you know, a digit, not something else. Um, yeah, so I, I just, I get there and you look at where they ended up. I, I can't see them ending up that bad again this year. Like I can't see them only getting seventy nine points in the year and having a goaltending duo that are going to have them at a minus thirty nine for the year. So. Even if they hadn't made some of the changes they made to their roster, just throwing Bishop in there, and Bishop staying healthy, mind you, um, I think would enable them to to add, you know, what is it? I'd say 15, 16 points to their, you know, 10 to 12 wins, and all of a sudden that's 20 points, and you, you're really talking playoffs. 
Yeah, they they got a, a lot of their issues. Hasn't Sagan been hurt a lot? Yeah, and you know he's apparently training like an absolute bull now, so he's healthy. Good. Jamie Ben carried through injuries through the year um, as well. So you've got a situation where the players that they need to be healthy and and playing well um, apparently are healthy as well. So it's amazing in a sport that is so physical and um, relies on certain players so much that injuries just affect a team's ability to perform so much. It's like you lose... If they lost Jason Spezza and he's 34, there's a chance he might go down with a wear and tear injury. All of a sudden, everything I've just said sort of falls apart. Like you're asking Martin Hansel to go too far up the lineup then. There's there's uh, actually a few more veterans here. And yeah, I, I think it deserves to be said. I don't like the long-term uh, projection for no. this team. Totally agree. But Ben Bishop, you know, bad contract, but should help there. I mean, in reality, if, if everything went right for Dallas and they won the whole thing, no one will give a toss about right. the bad contract. But Martin Hansel's another – you didn't – did you bring him up? No, literally just then, just said, you know, Martin Hansel would have to push up if Spezza went down. But, yeah, you're exactly right. Well, just just for the listeners, it's uh, twelve twenty on a Saturday when we're recording this. So, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right. Um, uh, you can't you can't look at the roster and say twenty seventeen eighteen isn't a better roster than the previous. Correct. So I it's substantially better if they stay if they have, you know, a Washington Capital Capital style luck with injury, then um they're gonna be good. But here's the problem. This isn't a Washington Capital style roster to where like you're going all in on the now and it's not that great. No, oh, no, yeah, and you knew I wasn't suggesting that. No, no, um, I, I, <clears throat> yeah, correct. But, but they have, they have gone all in here. Um, you can't blame Jim Neal for doing that, but he seems to have Ken Holland's problem of giving long-term contracts to the wrong guys. So, you know, it's from his old Detroit days. So I just compared them to Washington. Do you want to go to the teams trending down? Well, we'll start with them. Yeah. Washington. Yeah. Awesome team last year. Bit by some really bad luck. Uh, I don't think they were... uh, I, I thought Pittsburgh was lucky to get by them, but that does not change the fact that they got by them. Yeah. It does not change the fact that not getting it done last season hurt them immensely with didn't have to hurt him as bad as it did. Yeah. Paulie, Paulie thought out. It's like, it's like they rushed some of their decisions after they lost. It's like they were, the management was in so much shell shocked uh, mental state that they 
forgot that they actually had a job to do once the season was done. They shouldn't have lost Nate Schmidt. They shouldn't have lost Johansson. And they did. Yeah, and then they bought Kuznetsov's like KHL demands and just gave him eight mil close to I'm not, I'm not upset with that. But okay. It's not totally egregious, but it is because they gave Oshi close to the five point seven five and they gave Orpik the the five point five like that shit adds up. No no, I realize that, but <clears throat> excuse me. The the problem is the Oshi and the Orpik contract, not Koozie's contract. For me, that's the way I look at it. It's like you don't give Oshi six hundred years at the age of thirty at, you know, five point seven five and I've just realized I thought Orpik had a no move clause in his he doesn't. They should have just said, what do you want to goddamn the Golden Knights, even if it was two first-round picks, to get rid of fucking Orpik? And they didn't. But there were ways to keep Schmidt around. Yeah, but you don't give up two first-round picks to, to, to keep Schmidt. But I, you do I get, for the cap space. Uh, the, the, the cap is what did them in. And they're not, and it's, and it's not over yet. No, because Carlson's up next year, and I, as we commonly talk about on the podcast, you do not want to be the next team to give Carlson his contract. Both both Olsner and Carlson's contracts have come up at the exact wrong time for where the Capitals are. You know, they at least let Olsner walk, uh, which was smart, and they probably should let Carlson go as well. But how do you? How do you reconcile that with, with you know, Ovechkin and a fan base that have been pining to, to win the whole thing and they've just gone and signed Oshi for that length of time at that ticket? That's the, the – the Oshi one for me says that they think that they can still stick around for two or three more years. If they do that, then they have to sign Carlson again. And you like you said, you don't want that contract. I think the Oshi contract's a three-year contract. And the lockout will be compliance. Pathetic reasoning, but probably true. Yeah, that's just... <sighs> they'll get out of that's... that one. One way or so... another, they'll get out of that one. And and so the thing... that their owner is in tight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If there's an owner that's going to be able to wiggle it, it's going to be him. Like, he knows that he's got the pulse of where shit's going. Yeah. 118 points last year. Best team in the league, man. Do you reckon they'll crack 100? Um, Great question. They'll make the playoffs, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. 100, probably. Um, yeah, they're going to get 95 to make the playoffs, so they could have a complete tail off and still make it. That's how awesome they were last year. Yeah, I thought the world of them last year. Depends. Uh, Jacob Vrana, are they going to give him some time? He seems to be a upside kind of guy that could help. Well, that comes, 
it comes down to a coach that doesn't seem to want to give young guys time. Never has. His entire, his entire coaching career, all his time in Nashville, all his time here, the young guys have always been the ones who's like, why aren't these guys getting more time? Yeah. Um, you know, you could give Nathan Walker, the Aussie, some time. They're going to make hay now. I mean, it was last year, but... Yep. Yeah, I know. I think everybody in the hockey world knows last year was the time. Lars Eller's up for UFA after this year, and, and I'm not saying like he's like the hugest uh, piece to the puzzle, but... You know, you you got to replace that or pay it. Is he going to be looking for more? Or Tom Wilson's an RFA. <laughs> That's an easy two million to say hit the fucking road, but they're not. Yeah, gonna the do thing, it. they'll probably the give with him that a raise. They'll give him a raise and let Ella walk. That and and that's 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 sort of one of those situations where you go, why do you do that? Because then you can't play for pay for Burakovsky if he actually does reach the level that you're expecting him to do. Yeah, I gotta go back to your Nate Schmidt stuff. Losing him was terrible. They should have. Yeah. Capitals should have been all about. Even if they had to pay Vegas to take Philip Grubauer, which. He has value in his own right. Yeah, true. Like, Holtby, you're going to play him 60 games. You don't how much need do you, How much do you value the 20-game goaltender? That, that said, though, that 20 games that Grubauer gave them of quality is one of the reasons why they won 118 point, had a 118-point season. Yeah, but you know but what? Philip Grubauer has nothing to fucking say about a playoff run. No, 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 I know. You're better off winning, you know, you're better off winning 50 games, not 55, and don't, having depth different in the roster. Did Pittsburgh win the division on any other cup run? No, they won, the, they won their division. Did they win? They've won a couple of divisions. But it wasn't the year that they... It certainly wasn't 09, and it wasn't last year or the year before. Do you know what I mean? I think they might, and I don't think they won the... In the 91 and the 92 Cups, I don't think they did it either. Then the one that they did win it, and they just crushed the league, they got knocked out. By those fucking Islanders. By those fucking Islanders. That was, <laughs> that was a tough one for fifth grade me but but you're right you don't need those extra wins that Grubauer well last year they didn't need those wins that Grubauer they might need them this year Ryan they might need those backup minutes to be quality with yeah, the way they value their 20 game guy as opposed to Nate Schmidt 80 game guy so there will definitely be more pressure on Grubauer to not provide average backup minutes and to provide what I would consider 1A, like, you know, starter A-type goaltending. He kind of has to. They can't afford to have a backup that has a, a, a negative win-loss ratio for the year. Yep. It's the way this roster is. Like, you look on cap friendly, right now, they've only got five defensemen signed. Yep. 
that aren't you know that aren't in their minor league system, and that that to me is where the Nate Schmidt thing hurts, because he was already better than what Orpik can provide now. And Orpik is his number six defenseman at best, and I'm stretching the tr- the friendship on that one. I think he had an all right season last year for him, but I also think you know quality of teammate matters. Yeah, and that's the low bar thing that you were. You know, we often say about certain players, having an all right season for him doesn't mean it was an all right season for somebody that should be at least league average at his position. Should we um, shit on another Southeast team? You want to go to the uh, Panthers? Yeah, they they fucked up, man. Yeah, but that was an internal power struggle within that organization that did that. Yeah, well, that, that's to the point where to the point where to the point where they are paying one point three three for the next two years for UC Oakland. Yeah, to how not do, how pay, do that to not play at their club, and I like the young guys that are on and this team. And he's a net right? positive at four mil. Yeah, exactly. And I like the young guys that are on this roster. But, they gave away like three yeah, top six butchered wingers. Themselves. Butchered themselves. So here's the deal. How 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 did this team get better? You gave away a seven hundred thousand dollars thirty goal scorer, and mind you, Jonathan Marchessault may maybe isn't like the real deal, but for seven hundred K, maybe we find out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Riley Smith, probably not on a great contract, but like still a, you know, playing in your top six. Fucking Yarmir Yager. <laughs> Who still doesn't have a job, by the way, which is criminal in itself. And, you know, we'll um, discuss uh, maybe that later. There was a question from uh, the listeners about uh, Double J. But. How does Florida, with ten million in cap space, mind you, I, and I know the whole financial bullshit. You don't bring that guy back, then fuck you. And yet you'll bring in Radom Verbata for two point five. Yeah, right. Like, you've got Derek McKenzie and Michael Haley listed on this roster right now, like the team. The, the team took a bad a bad decision. They almost they almost Washington capital to capital They did an overreaction is what I'm trying to say. They overreacted to a bad coaching decision. I don't think they probably should have fired Gallant when they did and how they went about it. That just tore apart the shreds of, of the room and um it was a massive overreaction. I don't think it helped that a lot of the traditional hockey media shat all over the organization right from the get-go. As soon as that franchise said, we're going all in on the numbers, and they had that, that, that good year that they got knocked out by the Islanders in the first round, and then they didn't start the way they wanted. Um, obviously, the coaching staff and the numbers boys weren't on the same page. The handling of that entire thing didn't go well, and then... The Canadian media just got all over them, and they panicked. And this is the result you get. You get a team that will be a dumpster fire next year. 
And they were bad last year. They ought to lose every game for fucking Yager over. (laughs) (laughs) Not that we have any bias on this podcast um, towards that man. But, yeah, it's it's one of those things where they'll get bailed out by Luongo and Reimer, who are both good goaltenders. Um, well, Reimer's only got the next five years on his contract, so. <sighs> it's just, it's one of those things 38. where. You mean Luongo's got five more years at the age of 38? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Because you look at. I think like, you look tighter, at. Though. Like, you look at Ekblad, and it's like. Is, was he a product of Brian Campbell? Can he prove that he is as elite as I thought he was when that 7.5 was signed? You know, they're, they're, they're the sorts of things that they need. They need, you know, Barkov and Huberto and Trocek, Bukestad, they need all of their youth to have career years just for them to stay afloat because they've got no depth. There's, there's nothing there. Yeah, they lost. Lost quite a bit. Ekblad, I I worry about um, his the concussion stuff with him. And that's that's unfortunate. Yeah, that, that's um, you don't blame anybody or anything. No, but but it's that's there right now. There's risk. There is, and and it's you know. It's Penguins fans, we know all about that that concern and that sort of stuff. So it's. But I'll know. give them this: Ekblad, Yandel, Demers, and Pizik. Not terrible. See, I don't ever know what to think of, of Petrovic at times. It's like I don't. Mind, it's one of those things where you watch them play, and I, I don't mind what he does, but you look at his numbers at times, and you go, "Well, obviously, I am." wanting to see more out of him than what he actually produces. Right. It's just, yeah. So, I, I, look, I, when we discussed this prior to the podcast, I didn't even really put Florida in it because they did so poorly. But then you said, well, really, can you see them not going backwards? And it's like, yeah, you can see them ending up in the lottery. You can see them ending up in that bottom five. Not that there's those traditional protections anymore, but you can just you can see that happening, and it's like, well, what happens when they do fall apart? Do the traditional media get there and go, oh, it's all the numbers guys fold again? Like, that's the thing. They've gone back to they've gone back to the safe house of doing things on heart and grit. Good luck to you, Florida. No, I'm not even wishing them that. Westward, Dale Talon, Florida now, was Chicago. Yeah, okay. So this is this is an interesting one, the Blackhawks for me, because they're stacked up front. If you look at regards to depth, and then it all just they struggled last year. Are they stacked up front? Well, you've got Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, and ignore the overratedness of... No, no, of what... Jonathan Taves is a great player. Yeah. Patrick yeah, yeah, yeah. Kane is an excellent player. Brandon so, Saad is a great player. Anisimov is a good player. 
Yep. Patrick Sharp is past it. Uh, we'll see. But Marion Hossa is not there anymore. Yeah, and that hurts. Well, what's past that? Well, you just listed five players. I suppose it's not a full six, is it? Well, you need 12. And that's their problem. They don't. They kept Seabrook instead of Charleston, and they're like the Caps. They've only got five defensemen listed as NHL ready, and one of them is 38-year-old Michael Reservoir. It's incredible because is from how I viewed it, it was always Keith Chalmerson, Seabrook pretending, <laughs> and then whatever. They mishmashed it. They did. They got rid of Chalmerson for f- fucking dog shit. Connor Murphy's not going to... Like, that's a step down. It is. Good. Fuck the Blackhawks. I just... It's just one of those things where... For a team that got bailed out by being able to back-end a couple of ridiculously important contracts, Keith and and Hosa, the secondary... like The third contracts of Kane and Taze has really thrown them into this situation. So, you look at... Yeah, the just like Pittsburgh when they had to pay Crosby and yeah. Broken. But luckily enough for Pittsburgh, now that the cap has creeped up slightly, the fact that Malkin and Crosby's contracts are lower than Kane and Taves' contracts allows Pittsburgh a little bit more freedom. And and that's just it's the it all comes down to timing. Like I can't I can't blame Bowman for paying those two what well, he paid them. I can. Like you had what, you're not going to pay both those guys ten and a half? Are they going to leave? I reckon Kane would have. Okay. I reckon he'd have gone to Buffalo. No, fuck no. I reckon he would have. No. Nope. What do you reckon? He, you don't reckon Buffalo wouldn't have paid him twelve and a half mil? He's from Buffalo. He knows he doesn't want to play in Buffalo. Alright. Not... That's not to say that I don't think Buffalo's heading in the right direction and they can't sign good players, but like at the time South I Buffalo get... Kane is gonna take take the Chicago Bright Lights for eight mil. Actually well, he the Kane contracts is better than the Taves one. Yeah, no, and you're not gonna hear an argument from me from that. Look, this is to, to unfortunately focus on Jonathan Taves and his supporters that like to try and say that he's, he's better than Crosby, this is the year for Jonathan Taves to prove all of those people that say that he can score whenever he wants, he can take over a game whenever he wants, this is the year for him to do it because there's no depth on this roster. They need 30 goals out of Jonathan Taves. They need him to hit. 90 points this year. That's the reality of the roster they've got in front of them right well, now. If you look through it, as long as he's not focusing on defense. So it comes down to the coach letting him go. No. I, don't I know. The coach what, sold them back. I know that. So th- this is the thing. The hard part for Jonathan Taves in this particular argument is that he's 29 and he's outside his scoring prime. 
But if you're going to get there and be a Jonathan Tays defender and say that he's better than Sidney Crosby because of A, B, C, and D, this is the year he gets to go out and carry a team. This is the year where he has to go and be the guy scoring 30 goals and 50 assists or 60 assists. He has to do that, or they're going to go nowhere. And I, I just, I can't see him being able to do it because he's on the wrong side of the, he's on the wrong side of the scoring curve. He doesn't have Marion Hosa there. It's, it's like the depth in this roster's gone. And who have they got for backup as well? You, are you going to play Corey Crawford 60 games and hope that he doesn't get injured? Chalmerson trade, the one that buries him. Fundamentally, and and he's always, I reckon he's always been underrated by everyone. I have to admit, I underrated him for a couple of years until I started paying a little bit more attention to the Chicago games, and you can just see the good stuff that he does. Positionally sound, breaks up a lot of uh, zone entries, so stop stuff before it can become a threat. Um, Arizona will will be much better off for him, I tell you. You you have one more team on this list. Get him. Get him. I have get him. I have I have two. Oh, well, get them both. I'll go Edmonton. Okay. <laughs> that was the one I was thinking of. Go yeah, I was hoping <laughs> We'll ignore the other one because we had a discussion on that and it was like, yeah, that's fair enough. I can't. I can't see with what this roster's done, even with Connor McDavid being probably. I would say you could officially say he's going to be the most dominant player in the league next year. I think uh, so, he, yeah. he will take that from, from Sid in in that context. I I just I can't see what this team has done to go forward to be better. And Cam Talbot was awesome last year. Yeah. And he's 30. Don't forget that, people. Ken Talbot is not like a 22-year-old goalie that has space to improve. He's at that age for goaltenders. I think Mercadante said this. He's at that age in goaltenders where the body typically starts to fail you. Yeah, but they got Chris Russell resigned. <laughs> I've noticed as we've got closer and closer to 1 a.m. your time, you've got more and more sarcastic. They still need Dreisaitl signed. Haven't done that yet. Admittedly, they've got $16 million in cash space, so it's not like they're not going to do it, but they've still got to get it done. Yeah, but who did they ever least gone? Who did they trade him for again? Strom. Strom. Who I've said positive things about, but... Okay, so my, my question is, are they just going to play him at right wing? They've got three they've got three sentiment already set up there, right? They're obviously sticking with um, Nugent Hopkins as as their second line center, I Maybe suppose. Maybe David will play wing. <laughs> I just I've, I just don't rate Chirelli for a man that has traded away so many top end players and. I don't care how good people think Adam Larson was last year and how important he was to stabilising that defence. That trade was fucking garbage. And, and there's nothing there that suggests to me that, that those eight defencemen they've got there can transition the puck to guys like Connor McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl, 
any better than they did last year. There's nothing there that tells me that that's going to get better. Plus, Sakira's injured for the first half of the year anyway. Is he? Yeah. So, you, I can't remember what it was. I just know he's got a long-term injury. So, I, I want people to explain to me where the last year of Conor McDavid's cheap-ass rookie contract, this team is set to go forward. Milan Lucic will be a year slower, and he already proved this like last season he can't keep up. So just expl- and they're going to rely on a 32-year-old Mark Letestu to what quarterback their power play, which is what they did. I just I just can't I see this team. Connor McDavid's going to. Yeah, but he only play, he's, at most he's going to play 25 minutes, and I'm stretching that out. Yeah, it's a forward. You're right. That that's that's the thing. It's not like you know Victor Hedman who can play 30 minutes a game or freaking you know. Carlson, who can play 35 minutes a game. Like, you can overload a defenseman to to do those sorts of things, but you can't do that with Conor McDavid. I mean, you can try, but you're asking an awful lot for a guy that's, you know, you're wanting to play 82 games plus hopefully win another 16 after that. I just, I just don't see where they've gone forward. Juicy that's all. Jay. Actually, I will give Cherry Creek. That was a good one. Can't, I can't fault him on that. If I'm going to get there and absolutely trash the fuck out of him, I'm going to give him credit where credit's due. And 1.1 mil for a man that is a freaking Swiss Army knife, you can pretty much play him anywhere. Even at third line center. If you desperately needed to. Which? Are you going to shit on Edmonton anymore? Sorry, I'm done. Okay. You could play Jokinen at third line center, which brings us to listener questions. Oh, what a transition. That's the smoothest transition I think we have ever done. Totally offside at totally underscore offside. What will it take for the Penguins to three-peat? Do they have all the pieces they need? What will their What will be their biggest hurdle? Their biggest hurdle is not signing UC Okanen. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> he could he could have uh, plugged the, the third line center hole, but uh, do they have all the pieces they need right now? No. And yes, I do know all of you that tweeted me these Penguins third line center questions. I get it. We need to answer that question. But how many but different ways many can different we say, ways that, can we say that we don't know how the fuck they're going to do it? No, you just you just, you just just don't know. I mean, there, there are options out there. Like you said on a few other podcasts, Rutherford said he's got options, you know, C, D, and E sitting there if he wants to take them. But he obviously wants to try and find A, B, and C options first before he commits to anything. I mean... It helps that, as you always remind me when we do these podcasts, Pittsburgh have got the important pieces in place. So that really, really helps in in that context in that you could make a deal for a third-line center that's meh, and it could still be enough. I mean, you look at the way Nick Bonino performed in the last cup run. He was meh, and they still managed to win. And also, also, not there. Well... Well, yeah, that's actually a 
I kind of forget that. But that's the importance of having depth at centre all the way down the lineup. Having a player like Cullen to fill in occasionally helps. It, with Kunitz leaving, I think the Cullen signing at fourth line centre or someone similar to an equivalent output as Cullen is kind of almost more important than what they do at third, to be honest. It's not more important, they, but it, it helps cushion. They, I, I legitimately think they have an in-house replacement at third line centre. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I think that's what they think. If they have Matt Cullen come back, I think Cullen who the hell, could... Who the hell is their in-house? <clears throat> I just, from what I can gather from, you know, those that are around the club, like the beat writers and stuff like that, they're in Pittsburgh. The suggestions that I sort of feel like they're coming out is that they've got somebody that can fill it in-house. Who? Yeah, the thing with... Who I don't... Is, who is this I don't magical know. player? It certainly isn't Carter <clears throat> Rowney. No, nor Mr. Mr. Kunuckle. Um, or Porter, or I'm not even looking at the roster right now. But my my point being is that say well, they well. Start... My point being is who the fuck is this player? <laughs> but if you start off with an in-house quote unquote, and you have Cullen as a fourth line center, say that fails stupendously, which you and I are obviously in agreement that it will. Listen, Cullen in-house could technically be I pooped in a bucket. It's in-house, like. <laughs> Like, no, I didn't say in and out house. I said in house. No, well, you can poop in a bucket in your house. That's the quality we're dealing with at the center desk behind Crosby and Malkin right now. Yeah, so so my point being, though, if you have Cullen as the fourth line center, he can fill a hole for 10 or 12 games until they solve that problem. Without Matt Cullen, for you and me, we already say that third line center in house option is terrible. What's their fourth line center in house option going to be if they do no moves right now? they go into the season right now with the roster as is, without Matt Cullen as a fourth line, they've got no one to fill that third line hole. And that'll be a massive hole to try and fill through the season. Yeah, but I'm not worried about that right now. Because I, I'm i pretty confident that they'll, they'll have a third line center guy. And if Rowney has to be the fourth line center guy, like, okay, to start the season, whatever. The, the the 3C thing, it, we're, we're, we're very bored. <laughs> and, like, ex- we're waiting for it. It's really As funny. a you writer, have, it, I'm waiting for it because I got nothing <laughs> right now. You have a look at it, like, just on Cap Friendly. They have Melkin, Crosby, Gensel, and Rowney listed as centers on their roster right now in amongst the 13 forwards they've got signed. Where's McCagg? That's it. That's it. McCagg, man. Oh, <laughs> that was funny when that popped up. Yeah, right? Yeah, so <laughs> there's 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 really not much. Uh, so, yes, uh, to Mr. Totally Offside, what's the biggest hurdle? The fucking third-line center. Which which we will get an answer to, but and the other hurdle is this sport is just variance riddled. Pittsburgh might put together a mint roster next year and uh, go the way of Washington. Could do that too, right? Oh yeah, it's <clears throat> as much as I'm I'm a believer in the numbers and all that sort of stuff. 
Pittsburgh bluffed their way through that Washington series. Say Fleury, well, actually, we'll rephrase that. Say Bobrovsky didn't play as badly as he did against Pittsburgh in the first round, and they managed to win that series. I think the Capitals absolutely frog stomp Columbus Blue Jackets, and they go on to win the whole thing. That, that's just the reality of it. I mean, you get there and you you, you hear of, of great sporting stories and themes and stuff like that. I mean, it would have been brilliant if the Capitals had beaten Pittsburgh in that second round and gone on to win the Cup because they vanquish a, a foe that has beaten them, you know, at all the big points of their, of their existence. And to have been able to have beaten Pittsburgh in that second round would have been awesome, but... Not having to beat Pittsburgh, I reckon Washington would have just walked to the, the Eastern Conference, to be perfectly honest. So the same thing could happen to Pittsburgh this year. They could bump into an opponent that they totally outplay and somehow magically lose. You know, they could be crazy enough to somehow manage to rob Colorado with Matt Duchesne and play him at third line center, play him with Phil Kessel. And they might they might lose the whole thing with a healthy crystal tank, and you just get there and shake your head. That's how it doesn't mean they didn't make doesn't mean they didn't make the right decisions. Do you have a question? Um, excuse me. Um, oh, sorry, Charlie Cart, but I think we answered your your question earlier, which was how significant will the caps decline be if at all. You know, who do we see being... Okay, so the second half of the question is, who do you see being top contenders in the Metro or the East as a whole? I think Pittsburgh's still got to be there, um, even with the question mark of the third-line center, because I don't don't believe for a second that that will not be addressed, at least in a mediocre fashion. And they got mediocre last year. Yeah, and that was enough. Um, the, thing, the thing for me after, and look, admittedly, I'm a Pittsburgh fan, so I'm probably going to have a little bit of a bias here. Pittsburgh seems like a stable roster, if you know what I mean, besides that glaring hole at, at third line center. It's like Washington, I'm expecting a massive drop off. Columbus, I still don't know what to expect out of that roster, and that mainly comes down. To, Actually, they should have been on the drop off. Well,. <sighs> You're probably right. I mean, they did get 108 points. But I, I get there, and for me, it, it's it's how volatile is their coach in regards to what that roster becomes. That's that's one of the things that I I sort of try to get to. Yeah, but their big work. move was Panarin. And, yeah. Um, okay, let's be generous. Maybe, maybe that's an upgrade over Saad. I'm not convinced of that. What else is there? What's... Bobrovsky, like that team has fluctuated depending on what he does. You gonna fucking PDO your veins all year long? If Bobrovsky can PDO, I tell you. Well, but I, I think a lot of Bobrovsky, so it's possible. But my question with that is, like, you go, okay, we think Pittsburgh are going to be reasonably stable. Like they might not get 111 points again, but they might get. 100, which is generally enough to comfortably make the playoffs. Columbus, I can't see them scoring 108 points again. The Rangers, I've got no idea what to expect from them because of the fact that McDonough can actually play hockey now that he's not carrying around one of the biggest anchors of all time. But 
Lundqvist has just got back into training after having a knee injury. That team has always been reliant on how good he is. The Islanders, we've already said, we think are a dumpster fire. Philadelphia is like meh at the moment. I expect Carolina to make the playoffs. New Jersey, even with the couple of good things that they've got from the draft, are still going to be bad. Yeah, <laughs> they're still going to be bad. It's like, okay, fine. So as far as I'm concerned, as tough as people say the Metropolitan Division is, I think it's an absolute catastrophe. If you try and pick, admittedly, we are going to try and do that in about a month's time. If you're going to try and pick an order and who's going to win that division, good luck. Yeah. I, I think you got to pick Pittsburgh right now, but... Yeah. I say that going, that just feels like a homer I know, point of view. I like, know. I, it really you know? does, but who, with Washington coming back to earth, well, with Pittsburgh's roster as is, you, there's definitive criticism merited because the, the forward center depth, as we've discussed, is not very good. But It's ginormous. They've got nothing at third, third and fourth line, and one of the thing, one of the strengths of that lineup was the fact that they didn't fall off the face of a cliff at, at the fourth line, which enabled Cullen to play third line late in the playoffs. Yeah, right. and they don't have that luxury right now. Ellen must get fire <laughs> at J Holmes, and I believe it's a C J Y or C-G-Y, Calgary. Um, so my softball question, Pacific Division, San Jose misses playoffs, question mark? Man, are they old. Uh, hey, now listen, I wanted to put these guys on the fall-off list. Okay. I, But you also put Edmonton there, so... Yeah, but I also put Anaheim there as well, but we didn't cover them either. It's not a great division, so... I don't think it's um, a softball question. Right? No, but it's I I know this sounds crazy, but if I run with my Edmonton's going to be worse than they were last year, Calgary win that division. The way I feel that division sits right now. That's how much I think Anaheim and San Jose might fall ah, off the map. I think Anaheim's still well-placed. I don't trust... I don't trust the fact that Corey Perry... Um, Getzlaff and Kessler are going to stay healthy and still produce. Defense if you want to rely, good. who's going to score their goals for? Raquel's pretty good. Patrick Eve is going to get forty next year. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like Silverberg's so good. Eve's is good. We need to mark that down, and no, we need no, to. We're not, that. We're not marking that shit down. We ain't marking shit down. <laughs> we ain't marking jokes down. No, Perry. I don't think he'll. I think Perry will actually be better. You reckon he'll bounce back? Because he struggled last yeah, year. Yeah, I. I don't think he's. Let me look up how old. Mr. I'm not Perry suggesting is. he has a Chris Kunitz hands fall off. All I am saying is he's that they have. Two. He's 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 a former league MVP. Correct. So when you look at aging curves like thirty two, and he had an off year, like 
That's relevant, obviously. What Hart Trophy talent? I'm not going to say he can't rebound. And then that's and I've got no problems with that argument. I am just saying I don't expect him to rebound, and I'm I don't. I'm not talking rebound like star. No, no, no. You're not asking that. I, I realize that. I'm, I, I totally. I'm, I'm asking to rebound from what he. 19 goals and 50 his down year is 53 points so but yeah but the thing is though they've relied on those those three guys to be their main point because now if Ricard Raquel and, and Silverberg can fill that fill that void and not have Getzlaff and and Kessler regress then I'm going to be proved stupid with what I'm saying I just expect them to regress, and I don't trust Randy Carlyle to be able to adjust to that regression at all. He came in and played that Anaheim team the exact same way he played them when he had freaking Chris Pronger and, and Nita Meyer in the back end when he won the cup there. And I, I can't see him playing any – and it was the same thing he did in Toronto. So I can't see him doing anything different with that roster if anything changes. Kessler goes down for extended minutes because of the type of hockey he plays, or he loses one of his puck-moving defensemen. That team's... I reckon that team's in trouble. And I know they lost Fowler at the end of the year and still managed to collect 105 points. But I just... I don't trust... I don't trust that roster. So... I think I look, okay. I look at the things that I said, and I reckon Calgary might win the division. The same thing as the playoffs? Because that, that was the That question. was the original question. I... It's possible. It's plausible. He says it's a softball who, question. That said, though, who below them is going to go above them to cut them out? Is LA, Arizona, or Vancouver going to push up far enough? Is Winnipeg going to win enough games no, to make not it not in that division. No. Oh, okay. Well, no, you can still have San Jose miss the playoffs only with not being the third team in the Pacific and having Winnipeg win more points than them and two spots go to the Central. It's the problem with the way the playoff system is set up now. You do have to take into consideration the Central. Well, I think they make it because of Paul Martin. I Geez, you're in a smart-ass mood today, aren't you? And Joey T. Oh, you're funny. All right. Uh, J-Row, at Jonathan and William with a couple 11s in there for the, the L's. Favorite day with the cup story slash your perfect day with the cup. You can answer this to begin with. I don't have too many favorite stories with the cups that aren't like already totally blown cliches. Um, I think Mario fucking having a total blowout in the early '90s and just leaving it at the bottom of his pool is probably one of the the better ones. I like the tailing on the end of that story of. Phil Bork screwing the bottom off and putting his number and name on the bottom on the inside of that. Yeah. <laughs> Penguins uh, at... totally treated that cup like a total uh, 
indis- oh, like they, a dispensable. They shouldn't should have with no respect whatsoever. In reality, if they were hockey gods, they should never have got a chance to win it again. So, uh, you know, for Pittsburgh fans, that's like the cliched answer. I think Montreal lost the cup once or somebody stole it when they were, but that was before like the, the summer with the cup was a thing. That was before Pritchard up there and actually hung out with it to make sure none of that happened. I believe. How long do you think Pritchard hangs around that cup? Cause I saw a tweet with Matt Murray and his girlfriend watching uh, uh TV with popcorn in the cup. Okay. So the question there is a very, very good one. Because it's like, at what point does he bail off from the house? Because I have absolutely no doubt that there would be some players that would like to fornicate in front of that thing. With that goofy so, fucking dumb and dumber haircut bull picture. <laughs> I was, I was <laughs> Just peering, <laughs> a, peering around the corner through the crack <laughs> of the door. I was legitimately waiting for the dumber and dumber reference from you for that haircut. <laughs> I don't have a favorite, like a perfect day with the cup thing for me. I, it, it's really funny. Like I got to meet a few of the players back in 2010, right? And for me, that was sort of like my day off the cup and my brain froze. So it would be really weird to be in the situation with some of these guys. You work your entire life to, to win that thing and to get it for a day with the way that that cup's idolized, it would be surreal, I would think. All right, Particularly so now with... You, you get it. What do you get to do? If I get it, what do I get to do? Yeah. Um, this is just so bitter and cynical. I would love to take it back to my hometown and just rub it in everyone's face. <laughs> How bad is that? Like, okay. <laughs> you, you take it back... And you you lift it in front of them, and you you point and shame them, or what, what's going on here? <laughs> I don't know. I I made the joke earlier about Nathan Walker. He's the first Australian to have gotten drafted into the NHL, right, by the Washington Capitals. Like Trending for him downward, though. No, no, no. I yeah, <laughs> realize that, and he's not. I don't think right now he's really. I know. Um, Barry Trotz got asked by Australian press about him, and he said, oh, he's trending in the right direction. It looks like he might, you know, get a few games. But you sit there with it, and and it would be, for him, it, in that situation, it would be one of those things where, you know, I get mocked all the time for my interest in this sport over here. You should. So, it's no, run, it's I should run not. like shit. I know the sports run like shit, but it is the funnest sport when it is played at its best – this, I think this is one of the reasons why Olympic hockey, for me, is so disappointing. I find the officiating in the Olympic hockey better than it is in the NHL. They call shit when they see it. They don't sit there and go, oh, this is an important game. I'm not going to call it. They call the stuff. So players automatically get more space, and they do more shit with it. And when you get to see hockey at that level, it is, it is more exciting. It is more skillful. It is um, more aggressive than any of the sports that have grown up in this country. I don't care what any rugby league, rugby union, or AFL fan wants to say. And I've played all three of those sports. This sport is the best to watch. And the fact that they just mock me for 
the type of interest that I have in this sport would be the reason I would come back. And I reckon I would get the cup, hold it by the top, and just use it like a chair in the WWE. Just whack them all in the head. <laughs> That's what I would do. And just get there and just walk around like freaking The Rock and just give him the bird. Or do a Steve Austin and crack open a beer and just skull it. I don't know, but there's a little bit of bitterness coming out on this answer. I think I'd let my kids eat cereal out of it. <laughs> you see, that's a much friendlier answer. I don't I don't have kids. I'd stick my cat in the top of it and definitely take a photo of that. I don't have a, a perfect day with the cup total idea. Um, I'm older now. Yeah, young kids do something with that that kind of shit. Um, <laughs> we got a lot of fresh water around here in Rochester. I'd, I'd need a party on the lake uh, and some live music. I guess. I guess you, that's pretty generic, you... but... If you were going to do that, would you... I have a feeling Fish would turn up for that. Well, if that was a player in one, I'd think I'd, I'd throw them some money to come, but yeah, that, that would I be think great. Right. Well, you know they'd what? You know, you know what? I'd get the Lizards, the Fish cover band from Toronto. I'd, I'd have them <laughs> come down. They, they actually <laughs> played here in Rochester in June. They were very good. They would pay you to do that. No, they were good. They were good. <laughs> I thought they were good. So there, Canada. You got a good fish tribute band in Toronto. Go see them. Any other questions you want to cover off? Um, I, I favorited a lot of uh, Nazi stuff today. Not not pro Nazi stuff. <laughs> Good point. Listen to you. Hang on. Hang on. I wasn't pro. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> um, Tyler Durden, five three seven. What are your takes on leagues having super teams? We've got that here in the AFL at the moment. We well, actually, we've had a couple of super teams transition to the the sunset side of their dominance. And it was brilliant having them because they were the benchmark. They were always the benchmark. And the fact that those teams would go through and have, you know, 75 to 80% winning seasons was incredible. And to still go through and win, win the whole thing through a final series was, was amazing. And um, to have teams try and beat that when it did actually happen was incredible. So I'm I'm for super teams. It's just a matter of how they're constructed, I suppose, to make it possible that other teams can come in and replace them because there's not another super team around in the AFL at the moment and they're and it's hard. Like what's the definition of a super team? I mean one of the teams won I think it was four flags in five years or or something like that over here. So it's it's like to have that team suddenly fall away because, you know, obviously aging curves and a few of the guys left retired and stuff um, makes it tough for them to obviously go again. So I, I'm for super teams because it's not going to be the same franchise every year that's the, like every decade that's the super team. 
I'm okay with super teams as long <laughs> as the competitive balance is. Every team has a an an opportunity. So, if we're talking NHL, like I get hard cap versus soft cap. I do get that, and basketball yeah. has. Basketball is more of a chance of being having super teams just because their best players are on the court for 75% of the game as opposed to Sidney Crosby's on the ice for 33% of the game. That's hockey's biggest problem. Yeah, right? So as long as every team has an equal opportunity, like I think there does need to be somewhat of a cap. Like super teams in baseball, it just and I know there's been parity with the end results of baseball, but like you're still getting the L.A., Chicago, New York, Boston gauntlet all the time because they can spend whatever the hell they want. There's like that fake, fake ass luxury tax that it's it's almost like a yeah okay. Super teams are cool because. You're within that system. And everybody's in that system. What do you mean? live with it that way. Oh, so a super team that's in a system that is parity possible? Yeah, I don't need it to be forced parity like the NHL with the point system. I'm just saying there's a salary cap, and I just happen to game it the right way i'm down with that which i I suppose if the if the point system was changed that's what we would get i mean excuse me if you think about it without the loser point how many more games well how how much further ahead from the bad teams would the capitals have been this year like they dominated and then you get there and look at it either way you look at capitals were a super team this year absolutely dominant and even then, in the coin flip playoffs that hockey has, they still didn't win the whole thing. So it's not like they're a super team that have just boringly won four in a row or, or things along those lines. And Pittsburgh have won two in a row, and you couldn't say that either of the two years that they won it, they were the best team. They were probably the best team for 20 games in 2016 before the playoffs. And then after that, like the next year, they had their struggles. And they managed to win it again. So you don't have to be a super team to win it, but having a super team around is, I think, great for, you know, theoretically, athletes want to try and be the best and beat the best. So having a super team to try and target and take down is always a good thing. Shit, the Penguins are a super team right now. Yeah, which, you know, you and I have obviously picked the hell out of the holes in the roster and the fact that they weren't particularly fantastic 16 and 17. But if you look at it in regards to success... power, yeah. Yes, they are. I, I don't know if you can load a team up like the Warriors... No, you can't because it's not the same sport. But No. But, you know, I think the Capitals are as close to a super team. Same with the Blackhawks, Penguins. Like, you look at the... Tentative... Sorry? Barcelona. Oh, yeah, that sport's completely different in regards to the structures yeah, but, and how that you know, works. But you're right. They right. sold Neymar, right? <clears throat> oh, they did. That went to Qatari Cash. It went to PSG. 
lot of cash. Lot of cash. So did you have another one? I I did not. I'm I'm questioned out. I have one more. Go for it. I have Mike at Shike eighty four. Cam, what was the best night of the Baker's dozen? What the f? Oh come on, Cam. I've no idea what he's talking about. What? Fish just played thirteen shows at MSG. What was your favorite How? night? I night number thirteen 45? consecutive shows at Madison Square Garden. They just put up a banner in Madison Square Garden. Better than the okay. Knicks or the Rangers. Okay, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. So you're telling me there were thirteen nights of straight fish performances? Yes. They night owned number MSG from July twenty first to August sixth. Night number fourteen. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cam, I'll give you your answer. Thank you. Lemon Donut Night was your favorite night. Because every night it was a baker's dozen. Every night was a donut uh, from Federal Donuts in Philadelphia. They would ship thousands of donuts in there, and they would give them out. Lemon Night is when they covered Radiohead. Well, that's the reason that that's the best night going around. I thought the cover sucked. I think the band sucks. <laughs> no, I'm just. <laughs> I didn't oh, think they did. I, did... I personally didn't think they did a great job with covering covering Radiohead. Radiohead's not my thing. But even even if it wasn't my thing, and it's not, I. They did okay musically, but they. The problem with Fish, they can't sing worth a damn. Yeah, but Tom York has yeah, a very yeah, well, difficult voice. Yeah. You're gonna. That's a tough. Hey, credit for, credit for trying and credit for giving well, it a they, crack. They, but... gave, they gave the vocals to the drummer who isn't the singer and kind of a humorous, like, we know we can't do this thing, so we're just going to have him do it. Yeah, it was, did the music sound all right, though? Yeah, they, they did okay. They, well, that's all right. But, um, ah, shit, what song was it? I told you, right? Yeah. I th- was it everything? Uh... Was everything in the name? Everything in its right place. So if they did the music but justice... But it was Lemon Night. Is there a lyric in there with Lemon? I don't think so. But think the music in that song is... I quite like that song. It's one of my favourites. It's it's pretty good, everything in its right place. So, so, and there's so many... Like, Radiohead have done a couple of different takes of it live as well. So it's one of those things where it's... Musically, it is, is one of those songs that you can um, fuck around with and still do a good job with it. So your night's Lemon Night. Woohoo! What about yours? So they did um, Red Velvet Donuts. They did uh, Glazed Donuts. <laughs> they did... Uh, Anything with chocolate? Double chocolate. They did uh, Donut Holes with Peanut Butter Flakes. However, being fish, uh, night four, jam-filled donuts was was my nights and and they lived up to uh expectation on that night uh usually they the the keyboardist will come out to to do like a a las vegas uh lounge-esque song lawn boy uh in the history of the song i think the longest version has been like five minutes jam filled night goes 30 (laughs) with a keytar busted out (laughs) <laughs> a what? A keytar. 
Right. You know, the keyboard you, you put over your shoulder and you play like a... Yeah, I'm legitimately starting to worry about our friendship here with yeah, musical well, taste. Yeah, you know. They're definitely very different. Here's here's what I'll say about the Baker's Dozen in New York. Who can own that arena for that long? Yeah. Yeah, I get... The, that's a really good point. You're not going to hear me try and diss you on that one at all. So... The other cool thing about it, and, you know, I get it, that that band's not for everybody. It's either you're you're in or you're you're fucking out. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's Radiohead as well, though. It's the exact same thing. I get what you're saying. And we're on opposite sides of it, and we both understand yeah. it. And but, but my band played your band, so. Right? Don't even try. Do, well, that's the thing. My band's so big, they have to cover my band. But here's the thing. So you you play 13 shows. <laughs> How many repeated songs do you think they played in those 13 shows? Yeah, you did mention this. This is, this is ridiculously brilliant. Explain this. This is great. Fish played 13. And their shows are um, usually the first set will be like an hour and 20 minutes or 15 or so. Second set the same. And then an, uh, an encore. So, you know, it's not short shows pretty pretty long actually 238 songs of the run no repeats zero that's amazing and you know obviously some are better than others but like the fact that you know you fill these arenas with fans knowing like you go to see guns and roses you want to see welcome to the jungle you go to see pearl jam you want to see well, I'll say this about Pearl Jam. They change up their, their set list pretty pretty good compared to most. But you're not going to get 13 shows with no repeats. Like, every show is like the unique donut of the night you're getting. Yeah, no, and you, you, whether they're your type of music or not, that's absolutely amazing. you gotta you got to tip your hat to that, give it a stick tap on the ice if you want to keep it to the hockey reference it's yeah that's amazing so i was pretty pumped i um i think i watched every one of them on the pay-per-view <laughs> that's amazing that you actually managed to feel oh forget you're on a summer holiday but still that's amazing yeah i'm a teacher so um summer, <laughs> i have the time to do that you uh, know what sucks is that summertime you've got the time to do these podcasts but we got shit no to do there's no fucking hockey on for us to take advantage of it. Like, we talked for an hour and we came up with trending. <laughs> hey, we've got one, we did we've we got did. one thing left. We've got one thing we have to discuss before we go. What's that? The Brian Murray quote that I've oh, got okay. here in front of so, me. Considering that, unfortunately, Brian Murray has passed away. But he has left us with a brilliant quote about knobhead... Mike Milbury. I'm just going to read it from what I've got here. This is from Brian Murray. I got Roberto Luongo and Oli Okunin for Mark Parrish and Oleg Vasher. It was an innocent. It was it was an innocent start to the deal. I called Milbury and I said I need a third goalie for my minor league team, and we talked. It was a day before the draft, and he said, "Well, what about Luongo?" Well, we love Luongo, but I said, "I don't know if I want him." What about Steve Aliquet? He said, no, no, no. 
And then he asked me about a young guy that they he drafted that year, Rick DiPietro. I said, if you get him, you'll never lose a game. And it kind of went back and forth. At the end, I hung up the phone and said, you can't fucking believe this. Mike Bilbury wants to trade Roberto Luongo and Oli Okunen. The Okunen had some issues in LA, but it looked like he was going to be a player. I know that's probably as good a deal as I've ever done. That was when he was GM of Florida. That's the most polite way of saying Mike Milbury is a fucking idiot. <laughs> and he's prime center of MSNBC's coverage of the NHL. But thank you, Brian Murray, for leaving us that quote. <laughs> no, it, he, the, his diagnosis came came down uh, a little, what, a few years ago, too? He, he, I tell you what, he, he uh, ran a, up to it and was um, part of that organization making decisions. And uh, I know he devoted a lot of uh, his his latter portion of his life to cancer awareness. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Tell you what, though, as person goes, he certainly didn't let it slow him down. You could see it like every time you'd see him in an interview after the, after he made it public, you could see him. His body was falling apart in, but his spirit and his brain certainly wasn't. And, you know, what more can he ask for in a situation like that? So I I think that's a nice way to, 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 to bring that bit of news up. And I think it's the, the perfect quote to, you know, send the podcast off because fuck Mike Milbury. <laughs> it is also 1.30am your time and we need to get going <laughs> yeah so fuck you Mike Milbury thank you Brian Murray uh, Jason Bratter will sign Jack Eichel so we can do a fucking lead off with that next time that would be nice or, or something somebody do fucking something mid-August mid-August bullshit or Jim Jim, trade for a third-line center. Sick of getting the same goddamn questions. Or trade Pouliot so I don't have to fucking answer where he's going to be next year. No, don't do that. I want him around. Don't do not do that one. Ah, he ain't going to play. Yeah, no. Don't don't talk to me like that. That's no. Any. You know where to find us, guys? At, hockey hurt, at, at underscore hockey hurts. At gunner store. At Walshy66, we're on Facebook. Tweet us some questions that doesn't revolve around the third line center. Um, other than that, great iTunes. Please, thank you. Yeah, please keep rating us. Thank you to those that have. Um, and thank you for all your support through the dog days of August. Yeah, thank you. See you next time. Gotcha. <laughs>